to deliver this word quickly, I'm going to say it like this. For the sake of a generation of young people that's waiting for what you have. And for the sake of a nation that we carry the only hope for. I had an unusual thing happen to me last year. It rocked my world. I had just gotten up from bed. I was walking into, uh, just, I'd literally taken about two steps from my bed when I literally heard a voice speak to me so clear as though it sounded it had come to my left ear. He spoke it, and these are the exact words he said to me. What I've told you to do, do it now. Well, it shook me. It scared me. Because I thought, Lord, to be really honest with you, I thought, Lord, am I about to die or something? You know, what does this mean? I quickly got dressed. I went to the ramp. That's the ministry center we have. Where I was met by two of my uh, closest friends, two couples. I walked in the door. They were standing there. And I told them exactly what I just told you and what happened. I couldn't shake it off of me. I pondered it for the next day or two. And I told my husband about it. And he and I both were just weighing this. Lord, it, it, it was so real. I knew I had heard it. So I didn't tell many other folks about it. About two days later, I get a text on my phone. From this man of God, he's a Southern Baptist pastor in Birmingham, Alabama. I, y'all, I never hear from Pastor Richard. Hardly. I mean, maybe once every two years, maybe. All right. But he's the kind of prophet that if you do hear from him, it's going to be a word from the Lord. So I've learned that when I look down and see his, his name, I'm like, oh, my, you know. And he's, he's always a man, no small talk, straight to the point. That's who he is, spirit-filled Baptist pastor. And uh, so about two days after that encounter, ding, my phone goes off. I look down, Pastor Richard. So I tapped the text, and up it comes. Saw your face this morning, praying for you. Heard these words to tell you from the Lord. What I've told you to do, do it now. Time is of the essence. Lord of Host Church, I don't believe that word was just for me. I believe that word is for you. For what you carry, for the, the, the word even says, to whom much is given, much is required. You've been given much. You've been given much word. You've got this presence that's dwelling here with you. You're about to go into a building program because this is what he's told you to do. It's like this great acceleration of the things of God pertaining to the word that God has given this church. And so I've come to tell you, just like he told me, for Lord of Hosts Church, what he has told you to do, do it now time is of the essence come on can you hear me I don't believe it's just for me and I don't listen I, I believe this word is for you individually and for us corporately and I can tell you this I don't know how much time we have but I know this we don't have time to waste I feel this strong because of of what you are about to step into even in this new building project 
This building project matters. This is no just, oh, another new building. No, this is for the kingdom. These are the days of harvest and we need silos. We need barns. We need a lot of churches in revival in Omaha to reach as many people as are in this city. Come on. We need a lot of churches in full-blown revival. But Lord of hosts, you do carry a mandate that matters. I need you to hear me. Get over my southern accent today. I ain't got time to think about it. I just need you to hear the word I've come to bring. What he's told you to do, do it now. You don't have time to waste. Here's what I hear to tell you. Number one, quick three, three things. You don't have time to be distracted. You don't have time to be distracted by temporal things that do not matter. You've been called a Lord of Host Church for a reason. You had a lot of churches you could have picked from. You picked this one. You didn't pick it. God brought you here. Come on. Thank you, sir. God brought you to this church. Now, you're carrying a responsibility with that to stay in unity. You've got to be, you've got to know, you don't have time to be distracted by temporal things of this life that do not matter. What you're about to encounter right next door in this building is not just a temporal building. That building is about eternal things. So that every night when you go to bed, you need to lay down and say, God, what did I do today for eternity? That clock is ticking for one reason, because it'd be a whole lot better for the world if Jesus would just come on and take us all home. It'd be better for everybody, well, that know him. But the only reason it's ticking, according to Peter, is he said, oh, oh, you want to know why? Read it for yourself. Peter said, you want to know why he's, he's delayed his coming? It's because God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And if he can wait just a few more minutes, just a few more seconds, I can get that one like Jude said. I can just snatch them out of the fire. Come on, if he can just wait a little bit longer. Souls, it's souls, it's souls. That's what makes that clock tick and it's what needs to make our heart beat. Come on, it's souls, it's souls. Your house is going to blow away like chaff in the wind. Your bank account and your car is going to rot, but you're about to stand before God and the only thing that matters is what you've done for eternity. Shout amen. Just think about it when you get home. I'm going to have to move on. I'm going to go straight on to the second. You don't have time to be distracted. You don't have time to be offended. Just going to tell you what he said. You don't have time to be offended. You got a building to build. You got souls to reach. You got a harvest laborers. Come on. You don't have time to be offended. I know it's an odd thing to bring up. First time you've been in a church. But you know why I've got to bring it up? It's because it's a tool of the enemy that works so well. It just works so well. That's why I think that may be one reason you've just been getting offended so often. Is because the devil knows it just works really well. It's one of his best tools. Yes, it is. And, I th- you know, the thing is, I used to think in my... By a few years ago, I remember thinking, maybe as I get older, you know, I'll just not have to deal with that thing so much, that whole just opportunity of offense. Maybe as I get older, you know, I'll just be able to sort of manage that thing and, and don't, not have to deal with it as often as I, used, as I did. But you know what I'm finding out? The older I get, the worse it gets. <laughs> the older I get, the more opportunity I have. And the older you get, the more opportunity you're going to have to be offended. It's going to come at you every day. Every day. Several times a day. 
But you know what I've also learned? I've just made up in my mind. You know something about offense? I've just decided, I've, I, 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 since I'm going to have an opportunity to be offended every day, I'm just going to learn to forgive every day. So therefore, I'm just going to set it in my mind that every day I'm going to be forgiving somebody all the time. Every day of my life is going to be somebody I'm going to have an opportunity to offend, so you, to, be, to forgive. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to forgive them before they even do anything. I'm just going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive them before they even say anything. I'm just going to forgive you ahead of time. I'm just going to love you that much just to forgive you before you do it. Come on, you can just live that way that every day, every day, every day, you're going to be forgiving somebody. And you know why you need to live that way? This is why I've decided to live that way is because I need to be forgiven every day, every day. So I've got to forgive them because I need him to forgive me. Every day, every day, every day, every day, several times a day. Come on, in word and thought, even motive of my heart, I need God to forgive me every day. So I need to forgive everybody else every day. I felt to tell somebody this morning, forgive them and move on. Just forgive them and move on. Because this offense is going to paralyze your effectiveness individually and corporately. This offense is going to delay your purpose. And it will open you up to deception. You'll start believing the lies true. If you're going to stay in that. And you know something I've learned too? Sometimes it's the people closest to us. Because the enemy knows we love them the most, so it hurts the most. Yeah. Make up your mind. It's not worth, it's not worth losing my purpose over. It's not worth wasting my time over. Come on, it ain't worth it. Say it's not worth it. I've just taken it to the deathbed principle. I made this up, but it helps me. When I have enough opportunity for offense, you know what I do? I do this often, actually. I take that moment that comes to me, and I just imagine myself lying on my deathbed and I'm just breathing the last few breaths of life and I'm almost about to cross over into eternity and my kids are all around the bed and my grandkids are all there and they're all hopefully crying and stuff like that (laughs) and I'm just laying there and I just imagine that if I'm laying there in those moments and I'm breathing I am not going to be lying there singing, thinking to myself, I can't believe they said that about me. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe she got that opportunity instead of me. I can't believe they replaced me for her and him. I can't believe that church did that to me. I can't believe. Come on, in that moment, it ain't going to be on your mind. In that moment, the only thing on your mind is going to be it is well with my soul. The only thing on your mind is going to be God. There ain't nobody in the prison of my unforgiveness. Oh, the door's open. Oh, I forgive them all. I forgive them all. I forgive them all. Come on, don't wait till your deathbed to live that way. Live that way right now. Live that way right now. Jesus.
You don't have time to be distracted. You don't have time to be offended. And you don't have time to be normal. Lord of Hosts Church, y'all ain't normal. I can tell you that right now. I've been to normal a lot. Y'all ain't normal. Come on, you need to look at somebody and tell them you ain't normal. That's a, I would consider that a great compliment if somebody tells me that. I don't want to be normal. Nope. You didn't come to this church because you wanted normal. Normal was over this morning at 1130. Come on, you didn't come to Lord of Hosts Church because you were looking for normal. you're visiting or in case your family's watching because they've been worried about y'all being a part of this I'm going to tell them for you you don't have time to be normal you don't no and the truth is even for us the one, one of the greatest battles we'll ever fight is the battle with normal and with the people content to live that way and that may be family, that may be the people at your office, that may be your friends. Come on, and it's most definitely the church. I'm just, I, I told the ladies yesterday, when you get in your 60s, you just start caring less about what people think. It's really true. Because, you know, even in my hometown, I moved back to my hometown. What in the world? Where everybody knows me. I feel what they're thinking. I feel it. When I go to Walmart, all the time, every time, without exception, I'm, I'm pushing my buggy. I, I pass people. I can feel them when I'm checking out at my, the thing. I know what, it's, it's like, they're nice. I mean, most people are like, I like her. She's just a little, she's just a little weird. She's just a little weird. I'm starting to get used to it, though. It's not bothering me at all. I'm telling you, I've, I've learned to, to, to be okay with the fact that some people are thinking you when they think you're looking at us and they think, you know, I'm a Christian, but I just don't think it's necessary to be that radical. I don't really think it's necessary. I'm a Christian. I just don't think it's necessary to be that extreme. I don't really think it's necessary to worship like that or to pray like that. It's just a little overboard. You know, it's just a little emotional, just a little over the top, too intense. Tell that to the woman in Matthew 15, 21, the little Gentile woman. Come on, come on. Tell that little Gentile woman it's not necessary. Come on. Oh, they tried to tell her that. She was a little Gentile woman who had to have deliverance for her daughter who was tormented by a demonic spirit. Come on, with desperation, but faith in her heart. She knelt before Jesus, telling him, oh, can you help me with my daughter? I just, I just need a miracle for my daughter. And the disciples were the one saying, can you just, they, they, the disciples even said, she's getting on our nerves. And the amazing thing is, even Jesus ignored her for a while. We'll talk about that in heaven someday. I mean, he did. He did. He even told her, honey, it's not your turn. I've, I've come to the lost sheep of Israel. Not your turn yet. She's a Gentile. But you know what? People that's not normal won't get offended at stuff like that. <laughs> if she'd been normal, she'd have left with, the, with an offense toward the disciples. Did you hear what his staff said to me? 
She would never got her miracle. She would never got her miracle if she'd let a fence in her heart and she had opportunity. She could have got up right then when Jesus said that and said, I can't believe he said that to me. Did you hear what he said to me? Oh no. Jesus even finally looked at her and said, you know, I, 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 I can't um, give the bread to the dogs. But no, this little woman that wasn't normal said, but Lord, even the little dogs can have a crumb from the table. She just said, if I could just get a crumb, it would be enough. Come on. I don't even need the whole loaf. If you'll just give me a crumb, I know my daughter will be delivered. I just need a little bit. I don't need a lot. Come on. That's not normal, honey. I'll tell you this right now. Normal might get you to heaven, but normal will not give you the world of the supernatural. And I've got to have miracles. Normal's comfortable, safe, predictable, easy, and empty. I've got two problems with normal. Him and them. Him, because the word says in John 15, 20, the servant's not greater than his master. And nothing about him looks normal. Them, because the young people outside these walls, and not only young, but old too, normal will never transform them. Normal won't deliver that boy addicted to pornography. Normal won't set that little girl free that believes she's a man. It's going to take the glory of God. And the church has got to decide whether we want normal or whether or not we want glory. Come on. If you want normal or if you want presence. Oh, come on. Come on. We're at a crossroad today as the church corporately and our hearts individually. You have to choose. I'm going to close with this. Oh, Lord, my name. Just let them come. Go ahead and come for the keys. No, Shanamai. You, Lord of Host Church, you don't have time to waste. You don't have time to be distracted. You don't have time to be offended with each other. Not this worship team, not this band. Come on, you don't. Nobody in these chairs. You don't have time for it. When the opportunity comes, just say, I don't have time for this. I got to love you, forgive you, and go on. You don't have time to be offended. And you don't have time to be normal. You, Lord of Host Church, you've been called to pursue the glory. The glory is the only answer. It's his presence. It's the manifested presence of God. It's what Moses sought and longed for. It's what he begged for on the mount when he said, oh, if your presence doesn't go with us, Lord, we're not going. Then the Lord said, I'll go. He said, but even that's not enough. Show me your glory. About 2,000, well, it was about 4,000 years later, he got to see it. When the Lord called him 
even out of heaven. He said, come here. You remember that request? You asked me on the mount. Show, show you my glory. Come here, Moses. Oh, Elijah, you can come too. Y'all are hanging out. Come on. <laughs> Took him down, down, down to the top of a mountain while the glory of God was climbing it in bodily form. They stood on that mountain where Moses had his request fully answered. When he looked, stood with Jesus on that mountain. What is the glory of God? Many, many different definitions of that. But I believe the glory of God we long for is the manifestation of Jesus. It is the only hope for this generation. The manifestation of the glory of God. There is no other way. I'm just trying to hear what to do here. I can close right now and we can pray or I can show you a clip. I think it lasts about two minutes of something the Lord showed me concerning your pursuit. Lord, do you want me to do that? You know what? I was, I've not even thought about this. It had not even crossed my mind until your media person yesterday said, I saw that clip you have. And I said, it's weird you'd say that. I haven't even shown that or thought about it in a long time. And that's what made me feel like I was supposed to show it to Lord of Host Church. It's only about two minutes. We're about, can you do that? Just bear with me because I want to do only what he wants me to do. But this word, I feel like, is for this church. And so I'm going to show this little clip. Let me, show, let me tell you what the clip is, and then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to hand it over. All right? What you have in this place, it's just so critical to the survival of a nation, but most of all for the harvest of souls. For the kingdom. It's everything. You've got to fight for it. It is. I'm telling you, look, listen to me. From having seen it even at the ramp, that manifested presence of God, that glory of God that transforms lives, it's the only thing going to reach this generation. Normal religion will never reach them. They've already rejected it. Pursue it at all cost. And here's Here's the explanation for this clip. Thank you, sir. I'll take this hand. <laughs> here's, here's, here's this. The pace of your pursuit for the glory and the presence of God, listen to me carefully, will be determined. The pace of your pursuit, that's what I heard today, I wrote it down. The pace of your pursuit for the presence and the glory of God at Lord of Hosts Church the pace of your pursuit will be determined by how bad you want it. Now, I pray, God, for the Lord of, Lord of Host Church, 
that their, their passion for your presence, their pursuit of your glory, Lord, that that hunger will increase in me and in them for the sake of your heart being satisfied and your will being fulfilled. For the sake of the harvest, I pray that in Jesus' name. A few years ago when I saw this clip the first time, I know it's an odd clip, but this is what he said. Okay. I saw this clip, and when I first saw it, I had never seen it, and I started weeping when I watched it. It's the most random thing I know. Follow me. It is a clip of a horse race with a horse named Secretariat, better known as Big Red. I watched this clip, and I watched it every time I watched it. I, I could not stop crying. I thought, I've never even watched horse races. I've, I mean, I like horses, but I've never even been into any of it. But I knew that God was speaking to me, and I could not shake it. And I watched it over and over, and I began to hear him speak to me in this simple message through a horse. And this was the message I heard. It comes in the fact that Secretariat, of course, was an amazing horse, 1973. He wins three races, the Kentucky Derby, the Preckness, did I say that right, Preckness, and the Belmont Stakes. The interesting thing about the Belmont Stakes, I'm just going to show you this clip of that race really fast. The Belmont Stakes race, this thing that's fascinating, the people, many of the people did not know for sure that Secretariat would be able to hold out to the length of that particular race. It was longer than the others, all right? And especially the kind of horse he was. They, a lot of people had their bets on a horse named Sham, okay? Sham was beautiful. Sham was a beautiful horse. And Sham was Secretariat's greatest competitor in this race, for sure. A lot of people had their bets because it appeared that Sham had kind of been bred more for the length, the duration of that track. But to the people's amazement that day, something supernatural happened. And I just believe, for some reason, the Lord was in that race today to bring a message to you, Lord of Host Church, and to me. I believe the passion Secretariat ran with is a picture of, listen to me, what God has given you permission to do. The pace of your pursuit. You're going to notice in this race, Secretariat, in fact, I studied it a little bit and they said on the morning of the race, the Secretariat woke up as though he knew something was up. They said, they said that morning he woke up and he was just kind of rearing up like this. They said that whenever he walked, whenever they took him out of his stall and they were walking him that day, they said he kind of stomped the ground around the other horses like he knew something was up. Come on. I believe this is who you are. I believe it's who you are. I believe that's the heart you carry. That day when Secretariat took off, it wasn't a normal race. I want you to notice what happens? He wins this race, not by what is normal. You know, a nose or a length or five, two or three lengths. No, he wins that race that day when they, after they figured it out by 31 lengths. When you watch this race, I want you to watch this race with the word of the Lord in mind for what God is asking you to do. Lord of Host Church corporately and you individually. Hebrews says that we're to run this race that's set before us, laying aside every weight and every sin that's besetting us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We run that the pace of our pursuit is determined by how bad 
we want what's at the end of this race. He's the crown waiting for us. And I want you to see yourself in that horse that day. And I want you to see yourself like this. You'll always run against sham Christianity. Mm -hmm. The rest of your life, you'll always run right next to it. And the thing is too, I want you to notice in this race what Secretariat does with the passion of his heart. Watch. Turn it up if you want. Everybody's in line, and they're off. Looks like the early lead goes to Mike Allen. Yes, Mike Allen going for the lead with Christ the Prince on the outside. Secretariat away very well, has good position on the rail, and in fact is now going up with the leader. They're moving for the first turn. It is Secretariat. Sham on the outside is also moving along strongly. And now it's Sham. Sham and Secretariat are right together into the first turn. Mike Allen has third behind them. Then it's twice the Prince, and the trailer is Private Smiles as they go by the turn. Those two together, Sham on the outside. Sham getting ahead in front as they move around the turn with Secretariat second. Then there's a large gap. Make it eight lengths back to Mike Allen in third and Vice Prince fourth. And Private Smiles is still a trailer. They're on the back stretch. It's almost a match race now. Secretariat's on the inside by ahead. Sham is on the outside. They've opened 10 lengths on Mike Allen, who is third by ahead, with Vice of Prince fourth. Then it's another eight lengths back to Private Smiles, who is trailing the field. They continue down the back stretch, and that's Secretariat not taking the lead. He's got it by about a length and a half. Still Sham, 10 lengths back, Mike Allen, Vice of Prince. They're moving on the turn now. For the turn at Secretariat, it looks like he's opening. The lead is increasing. They get three, three and a half. He's moving into the turn. Secretariat holding on to a large lead. Jam is second, and then it's a long way back to my gallon and twice a print. They're on the turn, and Secretariat is blazing along. The first three quarters of a mile in 109 and four fifths. Secretariat is brightening now. He is moving like a tremendous machine. Secretariat by 12. Secretariat by 14 lengths on the turn. Jam is dropping back. It looks like they'll catch him today. As Mike Allen and Mike the Prince are both coming up to him now. But Secretariat is all alone. He's out there almost a six half of a mile away from the rest of the horses. Secretariat is in a position that this is possible to He's into the stretch. Secretariat leads his field by 18 lengths. And now Mike the Prince is going second. is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. He, ran, he won that race that day by 31 lengths. And I wanted you to know something. There was a little phrase in there that I wonder if you caught. There's two things I saw. Number one, I saw that American flag waving in the air. It's a word for you, Pastor Hank. It's who you are. It's what's in you. And there was a word that the announcer said that catches my ear just then. He says, Secretary, he's out there. He's all alone. 
There's going to be days you're going to feel all alone. But you got to keep running. You can't turn around to see how far the others are behind you. You can't turn around to see, come on, where the normals are. You've got to run. And you've got to keep running. When Secretariat died and they did an autopsy on his heart, probably most of you know this, when they did an autopsy on him, they found a little wonderful secret. Secretariat's heart was almost three times the size of a normal horse's heart. Sham had the look, but Secretariat had the heart. I didn't know this when God showed me that horse race until a few days later. Micah, Pastor Micah, the boy in that video you saw, said to me, Miss Karen, look what I found. Psalms 119.32. I will run the course of your commandments, O Lord, for you will enlarge my heart. I believe God made that horse for a word for you and for the pace he's calling you to you're going to have to run it alone he's going to enlarge your heart come on he's going to enlarge your heart for the journey that's who you are Lord of Host Church what he's told you to do do it now time is of the essence you matter it's going to cost you everything but you've got to run when you're all alone, you got to keep running. When you're misunderstood, you got to keep running. Come on. Laying aside every weight and every sin. That's those distractions. That's the offenses. That's what people think about you kind of stuff. He says, lay them aside. Get them off of you. They're slowing you down and tripping you up. Come on, lift up both hands to the Lord this morning. Father, I pray over these men and women of God that you've brought together for such a time as this gathered them in Omaha, Nebraska. The calling, a mission, a mandate for your heart. Father, I pray over this church, your word, Deuteronomy 111, and may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, multiply you a thousand times greater and bless you as he promised. I pray, Father, you would give this church, Pastor Hank, Pastor Brenda, their two sons, this staff, I pray that you will give them strength for the journey. Strength to run. I pray that you will keep them single-hearted, single vision, unified in heart and spirit. I pray there will be no divisions among them. I pray that the unity of this house would just be profound and unusual, releasing an irresistible manifestation of the glory of God. I pray that you will renew their strength physically, mentally, spiritually, and in every way. Multiply them, God. Multiply them, Lord. Raise this youth group up, I pray, as a mighty army to impact the youth of this nation. In Jesus' name, we give you praise for it all, Lord, and we say, Amen.